Hello, are you hydrating? Welcome to the Meltdown edition of Start Your Week, where we set out the events of the next seven days, providing that there are, of course, another seven days to come. I'm Andrew Harrison, with tinfoil over my windows, and somewhere with his feet in an ice bath, it's Alex Andreo. Hello, Alex, how are you doing? <laughs> Hello, Andrew. I'm all right. Who else should be on the Meltdown edition but the hottest panellist? There we go. It's getting hot <laughs> in here. Is this, is this all just small beer and something and nothing compared to your childhood in Mykonos, Alex? No, you know, the heat in Greece is A, drier, and B, you almost always have better access to uh, uh, cold water that you can dip yourself into. So you can go to the beach. There's a bit of a breeze when you're near the sea. So so it's actually, it's actually easier. We'll come back to the heat wave a bit later, but the main political event of the week is, of course, Tory leadership race decision time. To the despair of comedy scriptwriters everywhere, Suella Braverman was knocked out at the weekend, but two <laughs> Gerakas, Truss, Sunak, Badenoch and Modern remain. Alex, what did you make of last night's ITV debates for a start? Who, who did best? Who did worst? There's really less to them than, than meets the eye, isn't there? The more I see, the more depressing it gets, to be honest. The, it's painful to compare the level of challenge facing the country right now and the level of solution and intellect being offered. Truss was challenged for not being a you know, true Brexiter, mordant on her views on gender recognition, Truss and Tugendhat on promises to provide economic stimulus, etc. In short, there is an orthodoxy on every issue in the Tory party and on almost every issue the ortho- the orthodoxy in the Tory party is wrong about the solution necessary and so they spent their entire time exposing each other for like the one decent fucking opinion that they have. I mean, the standout to me was how rancorous it was. Uh, you mm. know, Sunak asking Truss whether she was more ashamed of being a Lib Dem or a Remainer. I mean, exactly. If, if that doesn't sum things up. Meanwhile, you know, opinion polls in the country show that it's now sort of mid-60s uh, people thinking Brexit was a bad idea. So they're out of touch even with with what's out there. But the problem is they're appealing to a very tiny selectorate. And the only moment of unity that they had was to say that none of us would offer a general election. <laughs> so that's the, the only thing they agreed on is that voters in this country definitely won't get a say. There was one other thing they agreed on, which was, would any of you offer a cabinet position to Boris That's right, and nobody. <laughs> which is just gold. It says a lot about uh, Johnson's fall from grace, doesn't it? Mm. That that none of them want to be associated with him in any way. Um, what else? The I, I thought the Putin trust thing was quite hilarious. I don't know if you saw that. They were asked whether they'd sit down with Putin, and four of them said no, but trust said yes, because she wants to tell him to his face. Um, etc. She just she seemed ready for like a physical fight with Vladimir Putin, which, in fairness, I would pay to see. There was no real breakthrough for Tugendhat or Badenoch, which they needed. Um, oh. It was slightly better from Trust compared to her Channel Four disaster two days earlier. I think Sunak will take either of them apart, Trust or Mordant. From looking at it now, I think he will almost certainly be PM if he makes it to the final two. 
because they just wilted under detailed economic questioning. And so if you get a summer of that, if you get a summer of him questioning them on the detail of policy and them having no response, I think the momentum is now with Sunak, which is weird because he's the least fresh start candidate possible. I mean, it's literally promoting the number two from the last government to number one and trying to suggest to people that we're under completely new management. We were told for ages the favourite was Mordaunt to beat Sunak, but there was a Conservative home poll from Sunday which suggests strongly that we've seen peak penny. They had Truss beating Sunak by 49% to 42%, and Truss beating Mordaunt by 48% to 41%. This is going to go down to the Conservative membership, the selectorate, as you say. They are, to put it kindly, not like us. I'm, I'm not a religious person, but I'll be visiting any Orthodox churches in London in the next few weeks and lighting a candle that Truss is selected to be the new Prime Minister because I think she will be the easiest person for Labour to beat. There was a snap poll last night, which I think s- says quite a lot. So it rated Sunak at 24, Tugendhat at 19%, more than 17, Trust 15, Badenoch 12%. Only Tugendhat was ahead with people in the would he make a, uh, make a good prime minister or bad prime minister question. So only one of them people thought would make a good prime minister. And the person most people definitely did not want, and this was a panel of floating voters, was trust by Mm. a whopping 48%. She got 48% in a five-horse race as the the person people least want in number 10. Wow. So Labour will be hoping that she makes it. So, and the indication from Conservative Home is that the Conservative members really want her. So, happy days, mm. potentially. So, let, I mean, let's see. There's, there's a long way to go, isn't there? And what did you make of Bagnock's performance? Because I thought she came across as especially mean-spirited. Um, she didn't do well in this. So, she was bottom with her public watching. I think she was too eager to establish her right-wing credentials. I think... As with with everything we've seen, the Tories overestimate how much people care about culture war issues. Mm. And as the culture war representative on the panel, really, that's her bag. I think it makes sense that she did badly and she looked quite mean-spirited. I don't think she particularly has a chance, although we'll talk about the steps coming up and, and maybe there's something going on there. So the timetable is, it's the third vote today, Monday, with the results at eight o'clock. Then there's the fourth ballot on Tuesday, the fifth on Wednesday, with results coming in at 4pm. So you, Alex, will be able to discuss it on Oh God, What Now? For once. (laughs) For the first time in history. Thank you, Conservative Central Office. Today, today's poll, third vote. Who do you think is going to drop out this time? Um, Almost certainly Tugan had. He just has too much to make up um i i mean it's such a it's been such a dull campaign it's actually Mm. been quite disappointing um they have a hustings at 2 p.m 
in an unventilated room in the, <laughs> in the Palace of Westminster. So good luck with that. They may lose um, several people. Yes. May, may not end up voting because they've been taken to hospital with Yes, stroke. You can come around um, and collect a gallon of Conservative MPs at the end of the day. <laughs> voting happens between 5 and 7 and results are 8 p.m. I think the interesting thing will, will be to see how Braverman's votes are redistributed, as it were. I think that will give some indication whether people are still, from the right of the party, as it were, are still gravitating towards Penny Mordaunt or whether they're now more firmly camp Liz. Then on Tuesday is the fourth ballot uh, and results are that afternoon. I think in many ways this will be the most interesting ballot of all. If you're going to intervene, if there's going to be jiggery-pokery, this is the ballot to do it on. Let, let me explain. So the last ballot is on Wednesday, okay? We will know the final two, as you said, by 4 p.m. Opportunity to intervene in that final ballot is limited and dangerous, okay? So you will have three candidates and anyone with 120 goes through because there's just under 360 MPs. So if you are lending votes to another candidate because you prefer them, are you certain that you're not putting both the other ones over the top? Do you see what I mean? Mm. When there's only three left, you have to be very, very confident that candidate B will not get 120 on their own before you lend votes to candidate C because you actually might end up excluding yourself. So in the ballot today, I think there will be less manoeuvring because Tom Tugendhat is just so far behind. There's too much room to make up to put him over the top of either Truss or Mordant. On the next ballot, when there's four of them left, I think is where we will see a lot of manoeuvring. It's a much safer thing to manipulate because you're just trying to determine which comes bottom. And so if we see that trust is catching up to Mordant, for instance, then you might lend a few votes to Kemi Badenoch to try and push Mordant to fourth in that penultimate ballot. I think that's where the action will be. You being Sunak. Because, I mean, yeah, because he's the leading candidate at the moment. Also, what we should say as a final thing on this leadership discussion is that we may have a new prime minister by Thursday lunchtime, okay? Brady has made very strong noises that he wants the vote to go to the membership, but he hasn't changed the rules. They had a chance to change the rules so that all candidates would have to sign an undertaking saying they will not pull out when they're part of the last two. But that hasn't happened. It's just Brady encouraging them not to pull out at that point. However, if we're left with someone like Sunak, and let's say, for the sake of argument, Badenoch, or Sunak and Mordant, who has very little cabinet experience, I think there will be a very strong impetus for Sunak to say, I will make you foreign secretary, or I will make you home secretary, come and be in my cabinet, 
And this way we can have Johnson out of number 10 as quickly as possible so we get no further reputational damage. We can dress it up as this is what's right for the country at a time when we need stability. You know, there's a really good way to sell this. So I wouldn't exclude the possibility that we know the final two on Wednesday evening and that by Thursday lunchtime they've done a deal and someone walks into number 10 on Thursday evening. Meanwhile, it's the last working week in Parliament before recess, somehow. Today, Monday, we have a confidence motion proposed by the government's own ministers. Alex, what is going on here? Is this a good reason to melt the entire Parliamentary Conservative Party in an airless chamber? They basically did something that flirted with being against convention. Labour proposed a motion of no confidence to the government and they turned it down in the timetable. They said it was because of the way it was phrased, but that was arguable because the the clerks in Parliament had ruled it phrased in a perfectly acceptable way. And so what they did in order to get over the the accusation that they had broken yet another convention is they proposed a confidence vote in themselves, which Doris now blames for the online harms bill not going through. I mean, it wouldn't have time to go through anyway, I don't think. It's complete bullshit. And in any case, your parliamentary timetable shouldn't depend on the opposition proposing one motion. And if they cared that much about the online harms bill, they could have just taken the Labour motion as it was proposed and tried to win it. But the reason they didn't is because it linked the current government with the current prime minister. And so a lot of MPs who have expressed no confidence in Johnson would now have come to the House and expressed confidence in Johnson, which would make them look like fools, which is what Labour was going after, basically. So we get the unedifying um, spectacle today. Johnson will have quite a quite a headache, I imagine, quite a hangover, seeing as it was party time in Chequers over the weekend. And we still don't know from number 10, they've been asked, but we still don't know whether Johnson will actually fight his corner in the debate, whether he will um, be the mover. I suspect not. And I suspect he will also find a way to get out of his last PMQs because he made a lot of noises last week about that one being his last PMQs. So maybe he'll visit somewhere abroad and get Dominic Raab to do it. He'll find some way to get out of it, I think. So the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill is going forward. Uh, Liz Truss made it a centrepiece of her pitch in the debates too, mm. and has backed it. Uh, what's happening there? It's going to committee stage this week. Again, there's no chance that it will complete all its stages before dissolution. So basically, all this stuff falls to the next prime minister to pick up and run with again. They may have an argument for shortening the timetable. If if a bill has gone through significant stages and it basically was just one vote and royal assent away from getting on the books, they may compress the timetable and say, look, we've already debated this, let's just get it on the books. But with something like the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill, on which there's plenty of opposition, which is only at its committee stage, I think they will have to start from scratch. 
We are in the middle of a, a horrendous heat wave. Um, there are predictions of 41 degrees in the UK. London is expected to be one of the hottest places in the world today, Monday. Hotter than Kingston, Jamaica and Athens. Uh, there are wildfires in France, Spain, Croatia and Greece. And yet the candidates for Prime Minister all have a very mixed record on this. Badenoch said she won't do anything that bankrupts the country to reach net zero. Trust cut subsidies for solar farms when she was Environment Secretary. Is anything going to happen with our approach to climate change while we're still in the grip of this small group of conservative selectorate that we were discussing earlier? Short answer, no, we will go backwards. The commitments we made at COP26, so the international undertakings that we agreed to, are the bare minimum of what needs to happen. And you have a majority of candidates right now resiling even from that. A couple of candidates saying, uh, we'll keep to it, but maybe do it a, a tiny bit later. There was a poll, actually, of Tory members in The Times today that shows climate change was bottom of their top 10 priorities for the vast majority of them. Only 4% of Tory members ranked climate change as a top three issue. And so... Those are the people deciding who will be our next leader. The prognosis is not good. All one can hope is that these people will say what they need to say in order to win over the members, but then do the sensible thing when they're in off- once they're in office. But how many times have we said that in the last decade? Finally, just a, a handful of uh, individual stories that could blow up this week. And this plane crash in Greece, a Ukrainian flight with weapons on board. The area has been sealed off uh, for a search for dangerous materials. It seems like the cold open for a Tom Clancy series. Hmm. It's really bonkers. Uh, and it it now emerges that the, the aircraft was flying from Serbia to Jordan with munitions for Bangladesh. I mean, initially they thought it was a plane flying armaments to Ukraine it turns out it wasn't it's just a it just happens to be a Ukrainian plane that was flying munitions to a completely different place greek media is in a little bit of a tizzy over this because obviously there's a huge amount of caution around the wreckage um they're measuring the smoke to see if there's any chemical danger and they're monitoring the area basically only with drones at the moment, not allowing uh, crews to go in yet, although they're expected to go in later this evening. So it's a big, it's a big news story, and it's it's a, a sort of mystery that I think will take quite a few days to unravel what was on this plane and precisely where it was flying from, where and why. <laughs> And finally, Joe Biden is on tour of the Middle East. Uh, he was photographed fist bumping with Mohammed bin Salman, the author of the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. What can we read into uh, this particular tour? I mean, what we can read is that the inflation and fuel price situation is so bad that uh, the reputational damage to political leaders for buddying up to Gulf states is negligible compared to what sustained inflation and sustained high fuel prices would do to their political ranking. That's basically the bottom line. The bottom line is that you can't be in a massive fight 
with Russia that controls so much of the world fuel and at the same time um, be in a sort of arm's length relationship with the Gulf states. Um, You have to buddy up to someone. And I hope that this is the the wake-up call Western leaders need to invest in renewables, to really take this seriously, because there is a way, I mean, for places as vast as the United States that really have everything, every kind of renewable energy you could want, onshore wind, offshore wind, solar, tidal, I mean, hydro, they have everything. The US really could be completely fuel um, self-sufficient, as could the UK. You know, let's take this as a big wake-up call to say we need to uncouple ourselves from these dangerous regimes so that we're not going cap in hand to one when the other has become our enemy and then to the other when the first one becomes our enemy. Well, that's going to be another sobering week ahead. Thank you, Alexandre, for braving the heat. (laughs) You're very welcome. Can I say to listeners, just, just because I come from a hot country, you know, change your working habits, change your sleeping habits, just become a little bit Mediterranean in the days to come. Sleep late, wake up early, have a siesta, close your windows, draw your curtains. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but the air outside is warmer than it is in your house. Learn how to create the right sort of draft. Cold air comes from the bottom, hot air goes out the top. Have cool showers. I'm just going to go and stand in the the frozen food aisle of uh, of Aldi, I think. Listeners, it's going to be a weird old couple of days. We're recording the weekly panel show later today, not in our sweatbox studio, but remotely. We will endeavour to keep you on top of things, of course, and you can keep us going by backing us on Patreon for as little as £2 a month. You'll get the episodes early, you'll get them without ads, you'll get merchandise and much more. Thanks for listening to Start Your Week. Stay cool. The Bunker Daily was produced and presented by Andrew Harrison. The lead producer was Jacob Jarvis, and the producers were Jacob Archbold, Yelna Sofronievich, and me, Alex Reese. Theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker is a Podmasters production. <laughs>